guys. Welcome back to uh, the Free Game Media, Out of the Cave, um, episode three, out of, out of the house. Um, and it is my pleasure to have Carlos Vivas here, um, best-selling author of Help from Heaven, also survivor of near-death experience, which we're going to get into. And we've been talking about just some beautiful um, things off camera, and it kind of leads into our first thing I want to ask you is, what do you think about what I mean? What feels like a, a great awakening right now? Well, first and principal, thank you for inviting me to your program. I'm really glad to be here with all of you. And yes, I feel the awakening started uh, during COVID <laughs> because everybody was at home, nobody could get out, so everybody was praying, meditating in their homes. So nobody, everybody was getting crazy, you know. And the only way that everybody was calm was doing meditation and praying. And everything happened for a reason. I think the COVID came for this big awakening to come to Earth and everybody start awakening to the truth. That what are we here for? What is our purpose on Earth? And there is a, there is a purpose that we all have in our hearts. And it has to be revealed after 2020. That's what I believe. It started right there. What do you think of the, about the awakening? When it started? So um, I don't know when it started. On, on this realm or, or earth uh for me personally I started when i was 21 okay um that's when i developed synesthesia and i spoke to god or properly i should say i listened to god for the first time obviously through signs and symbols and sensations and then i started seeing things and for me it was like uh oh wow okay cool i got something i gotta do um and the mess the mission was like proving god right which doesn't need to be proved it's it's there. My, it's everywhere. My mission was that too, right? And it, yeah, yeah. We're, and we're gonna get into that um, for sure. So, but I would say that the awakening has been happening and will continue to happen. Um, it feels like we're shifting right now. I was telling mm -hmm. Danielle that earlier, mm -hmm. um, and I, I just feel like we're gonna shift. And, and like the Bible says, like they see but they don't see, they hear but they don't hear. You know, um, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The actual word that is written instead of repent is metanoia which means alter your perception mm -hmm. you're not seeing it um and i think the people that are willing to see it and alter their perception will end up going to that next place um which you actually have experience <laughs> visiting and uh so for those who don't know and, and this will be an incredible little segment here but um carlos drowned and then was saved by dolphins um and met Jesus, and it's just an incredible story. You want it? What was your life like before that happened? Okay, well, my spiritual life started when I was 14 years old. So I'll tell you a little quick. When I was 14 years old, I had uh, I started feeling bad. So I started going to school, and I was I started feeling dizzy, and I didn't want to say anything to my mom because I was studying at Catholic school. And back in the 80s, Catholic school was very strict. And my mom was very harsh with me and my sister. <laughs> so just losing one day of school was the worst. So I didn't want to say anything. I said, well, I'm feeling bad, but maybe this is going to pass. A month later, it's getting worse and worse and worse. I'm feeling worse and worse and worse. And one day, I was at the bus stop going to my school. And I, I have a blackout. So I went to the floor. I fade. And I stand up. I say, okay. I need to say something to my mom tonight. So that night when my mom get from get home from work, I said, mom, we need to talk. There is something going on and believe me, I wanna to go to school, but we need to go to a doctor to see what's going on with me. So my mom said, okay, let's, let's, let's start making some appointments and start going to the doctors. To make this story short, we went to 10 doctors and all the doctors, they didn't know what I had. Where, uh, where were you living at the time? Uh, that was in Venezuela. Venezuela, okay. Yeah. So I was there, and after almost 10 doctors, not this doctor said, you know, you need to go to an specialist in blood, and it's called an hematologist. So the best hematologist is in this hospital. It's a private hospital, but he's the best. So at the end, we went to this hematologist. He took several tests on my arms, on my, on my finger, and they, at the end, he said, like, look, there is something going on that I cannot find right here. I'm going straight to the point. I'm gonna do a, a test of your bone marrow. So he did a test of my bone marrow, and after 45 minutes, 
He said, okay, I get the results, and um, I want you to go to my office. I don't have good news, but uh, call your mom and dad and bring it here. So I called my mom and dad. They sit down in front of me. I was standing up behind my mom and dad. There was the desk and the doctor. And then the doctor said, uh, well, Carlos, I'm sorry for you, but I have the test right here. So he had like a little glass with some like red cotton inside. And said, this is the biopsy of the bone marrow. And what it tells me is like you have a terminal disease, it's called leukemia, and you're terminal. I'm sorry, Carlos, but you have three months to leave. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Jesus, me? He said three months. Three months to leave. And so like, I don't want to die in three months. Like, what are you what talking about? What stage was that? He didn't say. Okay. He just said, you, you're terminal, and believe me, I'm the best in this, and there is nothing you can do, we can do at this point, <laughs> because you guys came too late. And as soon as I heard that, for the first time in my life, I heard the voice of God inside of me. So I heard this voice that said, he don't have the last word. I have. I was like, what was that? <laughs> you know? But I was afraid to tell to my mom, because if I say something to my mom, she's going to think I'm making fun of this, you know? Did, um, when you heard the voice of God, I've, I've heard voice that I believe is God. Mm -hmm. what, um, what did it sound like to you? It was a very soft voice very it was like anesthesia <laughs> for me because i feel a lot of peace when i heard that voice you know it was very sweet voice and peaceful you know it's it's weird right like it's yeah. it's in your head but it's not yours yes exactly which yeah we're gonna hold side tension on that but. exactly but i i i, I say like what was that you know but anyway, the doctor starts saying to my mom, I'm sorry, I cannot do anything. So my mom's like, come on, doctor, you have to save my son. So she grabbed the doctor by the chair and said, like, come on, you have to do something with my son. You need to save my son. You have daughters and sons. Please, please do something. And the doctor, okay, okay, calm down, lady. Sit down. I have two options. Number one, we can travel to Houston, Texas and do a bone marrow transplant. And my mom, okay, and that's going to save him? I said, well, we're going to do the best for him to get saved. But my mom is 100% sure. I said, I mean, it's not 100% sure. We don't know after the surgery. And my mom said, so how much is it? Well, you're going to have to sell your cards, your house, and everything you have in order to pay for the surgery. But my mom said, but you tell me that it's not 100% sure? Like, no, I don't like that one. Also, he starts off with, there's nothing I can do. You're going to die yeah. in three months. Still like, eh, I got something. <laughs> because my mom was yeah. pushing him, you know? I'm just, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyways, just what a ridiculous doctor. I know. But uh, anyways, I just want to let you know, this doctor has three offices full of diplomas from all over the world. Because he just wasn't just a doctor, a rheumatologist. He was a scientific. And he was doing tests all over the world for cancer, you know? And that's what everybody was recommending to go with him, you know, because he had the latest things about cancer. So anyways, when we, after my mom said, I don't like that, what is the other option? The other option is going to France, to Paris, and grab a formula that I'm working with another doctor. The formula is called Android. At that point, there was no phones Androids. <laughs> and uh, you have to take that formula, and then maybe the bone marrow is going to start working and you're going to be doing something with your son. And it's not going to be that expensive, like the bone marrow transplant. So my mom used to work at the Air Force. One of her colleagues go to France, bring the formula. It was like, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, 200 pills. But it was like some kind of chemotherapy on pills. So the doctor said, yeah, go ahead. I'm just thinking of the ridiculousness of this doctor. Like, the last option he gives you is the easiest option. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said to my mom, look, you're crying because you want to save your son. At least with this treatment that we don't know how it's going to work with him, he's going to be one of the first people, the first person that's going to try this treatment. So we don't know if it works or not, but we're being studying this and he's going to be like a laboratory rat for the first time he's going to try this. You know, you have to sign a lot of paperwork at releasing us from everything that he's going to take. But at least you are doing something. You are not just with your arms yeah. crossed. Just waiting for him to die. So my mom said, you know what? I, I take that one. So when the, the pills come from France, the doctor said, well, Carlos is going to have to be hospitalized for three months. Do you have insurance? I'm like, nope. <laughs> so I didn't have insurance. The doctor said, okay, well, what we're going to do is, do you know any nurse by your house? Yeah, my neighbor is a nurse. 
okay, I can give her all that she have to do with you. You have to be connected with an IV for three months. So I was connected with an IV on my bed and take these pills and a cocktail that she was putting on the IV. Anyways, a month passed and the doctor called my mom and said, okay, it's been a month of the treatment. You need to bring me Carlos to the hospital. So I go to the hospital. He runs some tests and he said, it's not working the way that I was expecting. But we need to finish the treatment. The treatment is going to be three months. So, okay. So I go back home. My mom is crying because it's not working. My dad is crying. I feel horrible because I say like, God, what I have done to deserve this, you know? And one day I'm thinking there have to be a way. There have to be a way. And I have an idea. I have an uncle. He's like Donald Trump. <laughs> he's a real estate guy. He's a millionaire. I so like, oh, there you go. Let me call my, my uncle. So I called my mom and said, mom. What about if we call my uncle, the real estate guy, and we get the money from him and we go to Houston and do the transplant? And my mom's like, no, Carlos, because you don't know him and I don't want you to feel bad for what he's going to say. So, but mom, no, I don't want to repeat it again. Okay. But my mom goes to work, my dad goes to work, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, they're not going to die. I'm going to die. I'm calling my uncle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I grabbed the phone. Tio, Tio Trump. Yes, Tio Trump. <laughs> and I called my uncle. I said, hey, uncle, this is going on with me. I have this, this sickness and the only way is having this transplant in Houston. Is there any way that you can help us? And I said, Carlos, I'm sorry. I cannot help you. He hung up the phone. At that moment it was when the miracle happened. So what happened? In that moment, the whole world turned black on me. I said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to die. But in that moment, I started feeling heat all over my body and something came to my head. I said, wait a minute, I'm in a Catholic school. I'm a Catholic school. They say there is a God. And if you pray from, from the bottom of your heart, and if you ask, like the Bible say, ask, and you ask will you receive. Ask, you shall receive, knock, search, and you yes. shall find, knock, there and the shall be open. That's, that's my, my line there all the times. And I tell that to people all the time, just ask. Okay, so that's Matthew seven seven. Yes, no, I see. Yes. Like I, I know yeah, yeah, six twenty nine and seven 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 nine seven seven. Okay, and I go on my knees and I say, "Okay, God," and this is the way that I speak with God. Okay, I don't like, "Oh, God, no." Okay, God, let's talk right here, you and me. Let's do a deal right here. What about if you take this cancer away from me? I'm gonna tell the whole world that you're real, because you know that there's a lot of people that don't believe in you. You know. <laughs> But if you cure, uh, cure me about this cancer, I'm going to be a living proof that you're real, you know? And from that moment, I started feeling like, yes, this is, this is it. This is going to work. So I started praying every day, praying. And every time I was saying, thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. To my mind came images of visualization. Remember, I was 14 years old. This was in the 80s. I didn't know what visualization yeah, yeah. was. So it, what it came to my mind was start imagining your future like you're going to get married, you're going to have an amazing job, you're going to have a house, you, you're going to buy a car, you're going to travel the world. And I started imagining all this, you know, in my head. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And every day I was like, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. Another thing that came to my mind to, was to put my hands on my body and talk with my body. It's like. I was feeling at that point like my whole body want to respond for me, like my cells of my body have consciousness. Like I said, I was 14 years old, but this was coming to me. I was like, start telling your body that start need, they need to start to heal. So I, I grabbed my hand and put it on my heart and said, come on, body, start healing. I believe in you. Everything's going to be fine. I'm praying, praying, praying. To make the story short, fast forward three months later, we the doctor called and said, okay, bring me Carlos for the final exams. So we go to the hospital. They put me in the CT scan. There is like a, this tunnel that you go in and take x-rays from the whole body. And when I come out of the CT scan, the results came back and it was blank. So the doctor said, wow, the cancer, I don't know what happened, but there is no cancer. It disappeared. So my mom was like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Thank you, God, doctors. Thank you, God. Oh my God. And the doctor said, lady... This wasn't a miracle. Miracles doesn't exist. What this was, this is called remission. Remission is when we induce a person with a lot of chemicals and then this the, doctor, man. The cancer <laughs> disappear. <laughs> and I was a kid. I yeah, just yeah. was no, here. Of course, this, of okay? course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the cancer disappear 
and then the remission is going to come back again. The cancer is going to come back worse. And in that moment, for the second time in my life, I heard the voice of God saying, this will never happen to you again. And that was it. So the way I, the way I look at those things, mm -hmm. um, because when I developed synesthesia, mm -hmm. is everybody thought I went crazy. And in their defense, mm -hmm. you know, crazy is not able to explain the world you're seeing. That's so right. I did, right? Okay. But I, it doesn't mean I was, in, I was wrong. Okay. So I would say to somebody that doesn't necessarily buy the God aspect, I completely do. I don't think it discredits it, but because of your belief, it's epigenetics and your genes literally change themselves. It's like Dr. Joe Dispenza and them talk about all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. However, God programmed us to have epigenetics mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Yeah, right? So like, again, like people can take it however they want. The shit is real. <laughs> like, and again, like it doesn't, I, but I think of that, right? And it's like that doctor and it's like, obviously he didn't study that and the human genome project's in it come out like 2003 or whatever it was. It might've been the 80s. 80s. And then, and then I don't know. My I think it came out in the like, 80s and then they read like released in like 2003 or something like that. But epigenetics, again, but like you turn on the God code, right? And it's, and it's such an incredible thing that like people don't realize the power in that. And, um, and, and that's such a beautiful story. And, and for you to, my guess, I, I don't want to worry about my guess, but why do you think that that happened for you? Um, the, the cancer, all of it, not just the healing, but the cancer too. What happened to cancer? Yeah. Okay. I have a theory about that. What happened with the cancer with me was when my dad and my mom were separating. So they divorced. And in that moment, I prayed to God, take my life now. I don't want to live anymore. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. So in that moment, like when my dad left home, I was like, you know what? This is it. I don't want to live in this world anymore. I just want to get out of here. But when the cancer came, I knew that I opened my soul to something that came and said, okay, you asked for it. Ask and you will receive. And you asked to take your life. And the cancer came to take my life. But then when I asked for the second time, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, please help me and heal me and let's do this deal. Remember the deal that I did. Yeah. I'm going to tell the whole world that you're real. But guess what? I was 14 years old. And after my healing, I didn't say anything to anyone. Okay? So I, I thought of that too. Okay. And I would I would propose, obviously, we're the meaning makers of our own lives. So obviously, however you see it is how it is. Um, but I would propose, I didn't know that part. So that's really interesting. That like you asked for it. Because I'm a huge believer that this is God's meditation or video game. Mm -hmm. And it everything is. we focus on or ask for is what we get. And mm -hmm. we don't usually see how it's going to come. Mm -hmm. It's like an algorithm with like social media, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, I did it. all right, shit, it came. Um, but I think you had to renege on that deal because you're 14 and there weren't podcasts and there weren't things out there. Like, how would you tell the world? You wouldn't have been able to even if you tried. So you had to have that happen, not do it, feel guilty, and then we're just going to lead us into the dolphins. Yes. Um, so why don't we just go right into meeting Jesus and dying for, or almost <laughs> dying for the second time? Or okay. I guess technically dying on this one. Well, I die spiritually, and yeah. I'll tell you why. So my second story happened in 2015. What happened in 2015? A friend of mine called me, and well, I'm going to tell from the beginning. I wake up that morning, it was a Saturday here in Atlanta, and I go to my sofa, I turn the TV on, and I put the news, and then there is a massacre on the news. So there is a guy that went to a school in Colorado and started killing kids. And in that moment, I get Oh, Columbine. Mad. Huh? Was that Columbine? I don't, I don't remember. I saw the, 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 the news. and I was, the first big one I remember. Yeah, I was so mad, and I grabbed the control, and I turned the TV off, and I said, okay, God, this is it for me. How in the world this guy is going to come, and it's going to kill all these kids? They're innocent souls. If you don't come right now here and explain me why this happened, I don't want to believe in you anymore. Talk about not learning your lesson. No, exactly. So believe me, don't do it. <laughs> so I, I was daring him. Like, okay, you better come here and tell me why this is going on. You know, In that moment, my phone rings. It was one of my best friends. I said, like, Carlos, what are you doing next week? I said, like, well, well, why? It's Memorial Day. Do you want to go to the beach? My family's coming from out of town. I said, sure, let's go. Oh, shit. Yes. So, yeah, you got to be careful what you ask for. Be careful yeah. what you ask for. Always. Believe me. It's not the first time that it happened to me. 
So we traveled to Panama City, and when we arrived to the first beach, it was packed with people. We go to a second one, packed. We go to a third one, it's packed. So I tell to my friends, you know what? Let's go to an island that I know is called Chell Island, and uh, I know a marina we can go. So we go to the marina, and when we go there, it was closed for renovation. So this is weird. It's supposed to be open because it's a holiday. And I said, you know what? I don't know any other marina. So I grabbed my two phones, my personal phone and my my uh, work phone, and I said to my personal phone, hey, Google, take me to a marina closer here. And Google said, do you don't have permission to navigate on the Internet today? I was like, what? So I show everybody, look, I'm not crazy. My work phone, hey, Siri, take me to another marina. Do you don't have permission to navigate on the Internet today? Two different carriers, same message. It's another recurring theme for you. Yes. Is a off camera, we're just talking about some stuff where the electronics just trip out with them. Yes. So, and that was red flags, you know? And I said to my friend, well, is anybody of you can look in your phone to see? So one of my friends, hey, yeah, there is a park, it's called San Andrew State Park. Okay, let's go there. So I'm, I'm driving out of the, the parking lot and I see a car that's coming fast and something says, stay, don't, don't go, because the GPS was telling me to turn around. And I left this car pass. So when the car passed, I turned around and when I'm turning around, I heard, bah! There was a traffic light, like almost, like, I don't know, like very close to where we were. And this guy was so fast that he tried to pass the red light and he hit another car. So if I pass in that moment, he will hit me. And you weren't supposed to die that way. You were yeah. To die. <laughs> I later. Yeah, yeah. Sure, in a moment. Exactly. So we we started, I was like, wow, that was close, you know? To me, that's symbolic too, like God being like, yo, don't keep testing me. Yeah, but and I, I still texted. No, no, yeah, yeah. Because what happened next, we're driving next to the ocean, and then we hear a lightning. We hear a thunder, boom, and then we see a lightning on the water. I never see a lightning on the water before, first time in my life. And then the skies are turning black and everything. And my friend Carlos, I think we shouldn't go to the island. I think it's getting bad. Why we go back to Atlanta and say, oh, come on, are you going to be like this? No, nothing's going to happen. Let's go. That I was that guy before, not anymore. Okay, if I hear something the first time now, I just obey. I don't turn around. Okay, but at that moment I wasn't like that. I wasn't superstitious, and that's what I told my friend. Come on, you're gonna start believing in superstition. And that's what I did. You have something to say? Um, yeah. So I was gonna say the word miracle. The doctor said he doesn't believe miracles. The word miracle is actually in Hebrew, but the mm -hmm. word meant. We've obviously changed it to associate it with Christianity, but the word was around before Christianity before Jesus, mm -hmm. it actually means following of signs. Oh, wow. So you get miracles when you follow the signs. It literally means following signs or omens to victory. Wow. Church has demonized following omens, which is insane. But literally, that's where the word miracle, so say Jesus performed miracles, is because he would read the stars and the clouds and things like that. And this is what happened. So when my friends told me, let's, let's turn around and go back, I said, no, nothing's going to happen. So I continued driving to National Park San Andrew. When we arrived to this park, we pay the entrance, get in, get the ticket. The, we get a shuttle bus. When we were boarding the shuttle bus, one of my friends, he said, Carlos, I'm going to the bathroom. I'll be back. I go to the bathroom. Everybody's already on the on the shuttle bus. Five, ten minutes, he don't show up. And everybody wants to go. And I said to my, my friend's father, I said, like, could you go to the bathroom and see what's happening to your son? And when... He goes to the bathroom. My friend was yelling inside of the bathroom, let me get out of here. Somebody put a lock on the door. So we have to get the janitor to get him out of the bathroom. So that was another red flag, did not go. But I didn't care. I continued my path to the island. So we get into the shuttle bus and then we get to the, to the marina. We get the boat. In that moment, the sky started opening, you know, the Florida weather. Yeah, one day is rainy. I mean, one minute is rain, the next minute is sunny and beautiful. So that happened in that moment. The whole sky opened, it was sunny, beautiful. So we go on the boat, we arrived to the island 25 minutes later. As soon as we arrived, the bay side of the island was full. I'm a friend, Carlos, this is full too. I said, Well, I didn't know all these people's gonna be here. You know what? Let's go to the back of the island. So, okay, we get out of the boat and we start walking to the other side. When we're in the middle of the island going to the other side, there is a guy with five kids and says, excuse me, sir, excuse me. I was walking first. I said, yes. Where do you think you're going? I said, I'm going to the other side of the island. Why? Because this is full, sir. 
yeah, but it's dangerous if you go there. Why you don't stay here? So I said, sir, I need peace. I want to see the ocean. This is full of families. I said, okay, well, it's up to you, but be careful, okay? I don't know how many flags it was there. Uh, this reminds me like Pierce Almighty. <laughs> okay. So I, anyways, I continue walking. When we get to the other side of the island, the backside, open ocean, uh, I said, okay, let's, let's stay here. So I grab a canopy, a tent, and I open the tent with my friends. And guess what? The wind starts blowing so hard that the canopy opens like a parachute. And for 45 minutes, we're trying to put this canopy down because the wind was really bad. So after 45 minutes, that was another reflect <laughs> to get out of there. Uh, one of my friends gets some rocks, and we put the rocks in every corner, and the canopy stayed together right there. So we stayed there from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to 4 p.m. So around 4 p.m., my friend said, Carlos, we're going to walk around the island. I said, well, guys, you need to hurry up. You need to be back in one hour because around 5, 5.30, the last boat is going to leave. So we need to get in that boat. If we don't get in that boat, we're going to have to sleep in this island. And this island is a piece of land in the middle of the ocean. It doesn't have palms or anything, okay? I said, okay, we, we'll be back. So they left. I was taking care of everything. Ten minutes later, it started getting hot because the sun was very spicy that day. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to swim. I'm not afraid to swim because when I was a child, I was on a swimming team. So I used to swim a lot, compete and everything. And I said, eh, I'm just going to jump. So I jumped into the water. I'm swimming. And out of the sudden, something came under the water and sucked me in. Have you ever seen the movie Finding Nemo? There is a current under the water that grabs all yeah, the yeah. fishes and take it down. It's called Australian Current. It was a riptide. I didn't know what a riptide was. So this this uh, whirlpool under the water take me down far, far away. When I pulled my head out of the water, it was like half a mile away from the island. I said, how in the world I get here? But I said, okay, I'm going to panic. I'm going to swim back. So I started swimming back, swimming back, swimming back. But guess what? Every time that I pulled my head out of the water, I was farther and farther. I was like, what? So I go and trying to swim faster and faster, get the water farther and farther. What happening is, I was in the middle of the riptide, and the riptide was pushing me back into the ocean. After almost 25, 30 minutes, I, I, I was super tired. I was completely exhausted. And I said, you know what? This is it. I'm going to die here because nobody's watching me. It's almost 5.30. Everybody's going to leave. Nobody's looking at me. That was a big mistake. Go to the beach without nobody watching. You always have to have somebody watching you. And in that moment, I said, okay, God, I never thought today is going to be my last day. You're saying that nobody could have helped you, though, with the riptide. No, because nobody was watching. There was but, nobody but I'm there. saying if somebody was there, like, they would have been... I'm going right now to that one. <laughs> so what happened in that moment, I said, okay, God, I, I guess I'm going to die here. So before I die, I just want to let you know, I never thought that today is going to be my last day. But before I die, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to my mom. Thank you for my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for everything you gave me. And I'm sorry if I did something wrong. And in that moment, behind me, I heard a voice that said, ask for help. And I looked back and said, like, what? So it's like, this is my imagination. So I tried to swim again, and then I heard the voice, ask for help. And I was like, are you kidding me? Could you please help me? There is anybody here? And I look everywhere, and I just hear the water and the wind. And then for the third time, I heard, Two minutes later, I told you to ask for help. And I was like, oh my God, don't you think that is impossible? I'm never going to get out of here, but it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to die here, but I, I'm going to do my best because this is going to be the last thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to yell from the bottom of my heart. So I started yelling, help, help, help. At the end of the island, one of my friends, Enrique, from Mexico, he came out of the group because he felt something was wrong. He went back to the tent. He didn't saw me there. He went to the beach. He didn't saw me in the beach. He went to the top of a hill. And from the top of the hill, he saw me. So he started jumping, Carlos, Carlos, I'm going to call 911. Hold on, hold on. And in that moment, he come down the hill, go back to the tent, and he grabs some tubings, go to the top, and he tried to drop the tubings. But remember, I'm almost half a mile away into the ocean. And it was, guess what? The tubings fly back to him because the wind was against him. So the tubing was hitting him in his face. Like, oh my God, this is not working. He was successfully there. Guess why? Two years prior to that, he was in Leila near here in Atlanta and a friend of him from Europe came to visit and he took him to Leila near 
I mean, Leila Nier, I don't know if you know, but every year, yeah, a lot of people there die the there all the time. They like, and um, his friend drowned there. And when he saw his friend drowning, he just go froze. He couldn't move. So when this was happening to me, he said, like, Carlos, when I saw you there drowning, I said, this is happening for the second time. So in that moment, he said, this time, nobody's going to die. I'm gonna yeah, do yeah, it's the, a beautiful life. Yeah, I'm going to do the best so these guys don't want to die. So he's like, Carlos, hold on, hold on. So he ran to the other side of the island. He grabbed people that was boarding the boats to go back to Panama City. A bunch of people come, six guys jump from the top of the rocks. Everybody's on my way to save me. When I see everybody swimming, and I was like, thank you, God, they're going to save me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then after 10 minutes, nobody can reach me because the ocean is still taking me back. And then we hear a thunder again, boom. And then I look back and the sky is turning black and a big thunderstorm was coming, thunder and lightning. And I see everybody turning around. And when everybody was turning around, I say, you know what, God, this is it for me. I mean, if these people turn around, it's because they're going to save me. I don't want to fight anymore. At this point, I'm just going to surrender. You know, I cannot do anything. And at this point, I tell people, how many times in your life you're fighting with divorce, where you're fighting with your school, you're fighting with work, with family members, with it, and you cannot do anything. You already did whatever you have to do and nothing worked. Maybe you lose your job, you don't know how to pay the rent, but you, you are completely successful. And that's when you surrender and let God take over. And that's what I did in that moment. I said, okay, God, just take over, just do it, quit. And in that moment, a huge wave came and crushed me all the way into the ocean. And when I was into the ocean, I opened my eyes and I see a big shadow that was coming far, far away. I was like, oh my God, shark. So I covered my eyes, just waiting for the bite. And when I'm waiting for the bite, the thing grabbed me by my stomach and pushed me all the way up. And when I get out of the water, I couldn't believe that I grabbed this thing on the top and it was a huge gray dolphin. So I start crying, grabbing the tail of the dolphin, like, what, the dolphin, like, are you kidding me? So I start watching his, the dolphin face, like, what, how do you know I'm dying, like, what? The dolphin didn't move, he just was there. He didn't swim nowhere, he just was floating for me. So I stayed there for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, a feature boat showed up in front of me, and the guy said, son, I can save you, but I cannot get close to you. Because the thunderstorm, there are big waves, and I'm going to hit you with my boat. I'm going to throw you a rope. So he threw me a rope. I go to the boat. And when I get to the boat, I was super tired. That's like, symbolic. Yes. I get Throwing to you a rope. <laughs> okay. and you finally accepted the signs. Yes. Yes, exactly. Have you ever heard when you go to church and people say, like, this guy was dying in the middle of the ocean? And God sent him a submarine, a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's like, no. No, when he forgot this. Is, yeah, that's you, that's you all day. <laughs> And then he died, he go to heaven, God, you never saved me. I was like, brother, I send you a submarine, I send you a helicopter, and you didn't want to get it? Of course it was you. Yeah. So it was me. So when the guy threw me that, I go to the boat, and as soon as I get to his boat, I get like, <gasps> because I've been there for a long time, and the guy starts screaming at me, what are you doing, what are you doing? I said, like, sorry, I've been here for like 40 minutes, I'm super tired. And then he said, like, no, no, you need to get in right now. I said, like, Why? I said, because my boat is sinking. I said, your boat is sinking? What are you talking about? I said, like, my, I have a pump, and the pump is stopped, and all the waves they're getting inside of my boat, and the whole boat is getting floated inside. So you hurry up, go to the back. You're going to see some steps in the water. Jump in. So I go to the back. The dolphin is still next to me. I see the steps and jump in. Where When I jump in, I see the water like this. It's like, oh, my God, sir, we need a bucket. I take the water out. I said, we don't have time for that. Sit down next to me. So I sit down next to him. He put a towel over me. And then he started driving away from that point. And he asked me, let me ask you a question. Are you okay? I said, yes, I'm okay. What happened? A weird pool of water brought me all the way here. I don't know what it was. Okay. Uh, what is your family and friends? Everybody's there. Um, let me ask you another question. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. What about you, sir? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, too. What part? I said, I'm from Duluth. What about you, sir? I'm from North Cross. I said, what? You know, the and yeah, 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 right next, next to each, each other. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, we're neighbors too. And in that moment, he's like, yes, we're neighbors. I'm like, oh my God, look behind you, look behind you. He's like, what are you talking about? And I looked behind me and the dolphin was coming, jumping behind the boat. And the dolphin followed the boat all around the island to the bayside. So when we arrived to the bayside, the guy said, okay, son, I have to leave you here because I need to fix my boat. But if you want to see me again, every Memorial Day, I'm going to be right here. So you can come and see me. 
I said, thank you, God bless you. I jump off the boat. I start walking because the water level was down. I start walking to the shore, and when I'm walking, something hit my leg. And when I look back, the dolphin was behind me. Dude's like, you didn't say thank you, bitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But in, in that moment that the dolphin For is sure. next, <laughs> I know. I, I was like, what is this dolphin next? I'm like, what does this dolphin want from me, you know? And I started crying like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Are you kidding me? A dolphin follow me like a dog all the way to the shore. So when I did you get, give it like a hug or a pet? No. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I know, right? You gotta see the signs, man. <laughs> so when I get to the shore and the dolphin is right there next to me, I go on my knees and I make a promise. I said, "You know what, God? This is it. If you save me with this dolphin right here, it's because you want something from me. Maybe you have a purpose for my life. I don't know, but I'm gonna tell you something. From today, Carlos died into the ocean. The person who's coming out of the water is not Carlos anymore. Carlos died over there." It's a true baptism. Yep. The person who's coming out of the water, it's going to be you. You want Carlos? Just bring it on. It's here for you. And whatever you have to do, do it through me. I'm going to be your channel and do it through me. And it's all you. And in that moment, the dolphin leave and it started raining, thundering, lightning. So I took that as a yes. And as soon as the raining started, everybody started running from the other side of the island. My friends come and start hugging me and crying. The police arrived. They take me back to the to San Andrew State Park. Then the management asked me what happened. I said, what happened, guys? You have to be careful because in that island, you don't have a red flag. You don't have a sign that is said, what is a red tie? And you don't have lightsabers, you know? I like that you told them they have to be careful. They need 50 signs to ignore them. I know. <laughs> that was me, right? Yeah. Anyways, after that, my friends, Carlos, what do you want to do now? I said, like, look, this was a miracle. I need to go to a church. So let's find the first church next to the San Andrew State Park. So we get out of there, and we see a Catholic church, and we stop there. And it wasn't just my friends. It was people that came from the beach too that was following us. So we tried to get into the church, but the church was closed. So my friends said, okay, don't worry. Let's go outside in the garden. They have a chapel that was like a cave with Virgin Fatima inside. And they have a bunch of candles there. And everybody that came from the beach, plus my friends, we did a big circle and we hugged each other. And we prayed there for 20 minutes. After we prayed, everybody said, okay, let's go back home. So they took me back to the hotel. As soon as I get to the hotel, everybody's like, Carlos, what do I do? I'm just going to take a shower, get something to eat, go to sleep. So I took a shower, get something to eat, and I go to sleep. As soon as I put my head on the pillow, I have an epiphany. You know what is epiphany? What? It's like a vision that I thought was a dream. It was what? A vision. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, I know epiphany, yeah. And then in this vision, I open my eyes. I'm do epiphanies have to be visions? Because I get them all the time, but I get them in, like, knowings. Well, yeah, it would be okay. a knowings vision, yeah. So I, I'm on the third floor of a carnival cruise, grabbing the handrails. In front of me is the blue skies, blue ocean, sunny day. And I'm just like, wow, this is so beautiful. And then at the end of the ocean, I see a tsunami rising, coming my way. I said, oh, my God, tsunami, I'm going to die. So I just cover my face, like, no, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes pass. And then it's like, what's going on? Why is this tsunami this is not coming? And then I feel somebody in my back. Hey, Carlos. No. Oh. Open your eyes and look at me. I was like, no, bro, we're about to die. Look, the tsunami. I was like, Carlos, look at me. He's like, no, no, look, look. I don't want to die, but we're about to die. And he's like, Carlos, you're never going to die with me. I said, who are you? He said, look at me. I said, oh, my God. So when I look back, I couldn't see the face of this guy. But he was taller than me. I'm six foot tall. He was six five. From his face was light coming out. In that moment, I felt the presence of Jesus. So he said, close your eyes, please. So I closed my eyes. He hugged me from behind. And as soon as he hugged me, 10 seconds passed. He said, open your eyes. So I opened my eyes. He opened his arm. I said, look in front of you and welcome. So when I look in front of him, I'm in heaven. So there is millions of people in front of me dressing white robes. Uh, it was like a golf course with grass just freshly <laughs> cut. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what? This is heaven? This means that I die? So I was like, Jesus, oh, my God, you, you need to take me back right now. I cannot die right now. I have a lot to do right now. So please take me back. And he's like, Carlos, calm down. You're not completely dead right now. But you make a promise to me. And you need to fulfill this promise. Remember I told you. Be careful with your promises, right? And what the promise was, what well, I supposed to tell the whole world, 
what I promised when I was 14, that, that, that he was real. Dude, that to me is the dolphin hitting you in the leg. Like, yo, thank you, bitch. <laughs> exactly. So at that moment, I said, okay, God. And then he said, do you have any questions? Welcome to heaven from today. You're part of me and part of all of them. From today, you're start walking with me and walking with all of them. Do you have any questions? I said, like, yes. What's your question? Where all these people come from? And Jesus said, they're coming from all over the world. Do you have another question? I said, yes. What is the true religion? There are 50,000 religions all over the world. Good question. Yeah. And he said, the only thing that I can tell you is when you come to heaven, there's no religions. When you come to heaven, what you find here is the love of God. The love is the most powerful force in the universe. And that's what is going to unite the whole humanity in one. So, Mm -hmm. and that makes complete sense. Um, Right? Because like, in in the Bible, it's like you can basically do everything, but if you don't do it with love, and they use the term agape, which is why I did agape in my, in my spoken word, agape forevermore. Okay. Um, then it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an experience. I was probably on a couple of different podcasts, but I had an experience, not on mushrooms. Um, I just have to reference that because I use mushrooms all the time, okay. and to me, it's like God's phone number. Okay. But um, not on mushrooms, and I had kept getting these beautiful miracles, right? And mm-hmm. like. And, and I'm somebody that really follows the signs. Somebody's like, you know, here's a thing you can do to meet your guardian angel. They're like, yo, you probably have a guardian angel. It's probably not God. It's probably not Jesus. And I was like, I don't know. I think it is, but maybe, whatever. So I kept, um, so I'm walking up these stairs and I feel the energy. And I was like, oh shit, it's here. And I was like, all right, I'm ready. Be careful what you wish for. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, show yourself to me. You know, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And this giant lion face with snake hair appears in front of me and i literally run into my bedroom mm-hmm. and i was like i wasn't ready i wasn't ready um and <laughs> Sorry, i ha- and, too late. and i have this feeling and the feeling is that was jesus mm-hmm. and i was like that was jesus that's the good guys oh my god what do the bad guys look like right and i thought of in the bible every time the um, angels appear the first thing they say is do not be afraid be not afraid and we we're talking before if you're a little yorkie you don't have to be like don't be afraid but if you're a giant lion You've got to be like, hey, it's cool. I'm not going to do anything. You're cool. <laughs> You're cool. Um, anyways, long story short, I told Danielle about that when we first started dating. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know anything about it. I just know it was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. But it was my guardian angel, and it was like a form of Jesus. It was one of his avatars, mm-hmm. and it was good guy. And then she's with her friend who does UFC at this Hindu temple. Mm-hmm. And sees a giant lion with snake hair, mm-hmm. and that's their guardian angel, mm-hmm. and it's wow. called Narasima. And wow. so, and then so she, so we're on like a Facetime, um, and she like pulls a bag out and like puts it across the thing, and seeing if I'm saying something. And I was like, that's that's the thing, that's that's the thing that that's, that's saving me. It's like, oh, it's Narasima, da da da. Anyways, so I started looking into that, and then maybe two weeks, two weeks later, probably two weeks later, we're at the airport, and there's this Hindu monk. Um, obviously I have a Christian background, um, and I love the Bible, but I also love the wisdom of other religions as well. Mm-hmm. This is all the same source. Yeah. Like true. Jesus told yeah, you, yeah. it's all the same source. Um, that's why I hate when religions get arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, this is all the same source. Uh, it, but so there's this Hindu monk and he's trying to give away the Bhagavad Gita, somebody in front mm-hmm. of him. The guy's like, no, no, no. And I was like, excuse me, can I, can I have that? And he's like, yeah, you're supposed to have it. You know, who knows? If he's just saying it because he's trying to sell me, whatever. I received the Bhagavad Gita on a festival. It wasn't a festival. And this monger came to me and said, this is for you. It's, it's opening. They have the secrets of the universe. And I was like, what? It's it's beautiful. I don't know if you <laughs> yeah. read it. Um, mm-hmm. One of my, there's a couple of favorite things about it. And it kind of ties in actually with what you're doing now. And with what I'm trying to do now mm-hmm. too. Is um, in it, you know, Krishna appears to, anybody that's unfamiliar, anyways, Krishna appears as like a servant or chariot driver and he's with prince arjuna and they're basically in the apocalypse or armageddon and he's giving him advice and, and like and then he realizes that he's krishna and he's giving him life advice and he says you don't have you you only have the rights to the labor you don't have the rights to the fruits of the labor in other words like you told me you're going to go spread the word go spread the word don't even worry about what happens this is what you're supposed to do um, and that's like, that's like one of the messages of it, but I, that's like one of, that's probably my favorite part of it. I mean, I have a bunch of notes from it. Um, but I thought it was super powerful and, and I got, 
you know, I, I looked into that and the way Hindus look at it is they look at Jesus as just another avatar mm-hmm. of Krishna. Mm-hmm. It was like, that's their supreme name yeah. or whatever. But to them, they're like, I don't understand why the Christians hate us. We we honor Jesus. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, like he's just. It's their culture. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, um, and, and I think once people realize like, you know, whatever terminology, right? There's a million different words for a bluebird. It doesn't mean it's not a bluebird, right? In Spanish, you call it something different than in English and some different, it's still the same thing. Um, so to me, it's when people, it's the way they interpret it and then they tell the story and then it ends up just spreading. Um, what do you think? So like, I didn't finish with the story, okay? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you what happened next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. So I'm, no, no, no. You're fine. So I'm, I'm in the heaven, and Jesus said, okay, Carlos, now you need to go back. He did a light review. And the light review, he grabbed his hand and did like this, and like screened from like Apple uh, computer come out. And from my birth to this point of my life, I see my life flashing in front of me. And what I was seeing is like every decision that I took, Everything good and bad that I did, I was watching from the other person that I say something and I make feel bad so I could feel the pain of that person. So every action that you take, he wasn't judging me. I was judging myself. So I could see the karma. What I, yeah, exactly. So what I was doing, right? And after that, he said, okay, now it's time for you to go back and tell everybody else what happened here. So he pushed me back. Next morning, I wake up and I was like, what? what a dream, you know? And I tell my friends. We travel to Atlanta. On Monday, I get back to work. And I get to my office and I tell the managers, hey, guys, guess what happened this weekend? I was swimming and a riptide get me and a dolphin saved me. And I wrote, like, yeah, right, a dolphin saved you. And then behind me, I heard somebody say, like, I believe you. And when I look back, it was my boss. I said, why do you believe me? They don't believe me. So all of them, they're atheists. I'm a Christian. Number two, I want you to go on your computer and Google how many people die in United States every year by riptide. So I Google it, more than 114 people in approximately every year in the United States. Then my boss said, now Google how many people have been saved by dolphins all over the world. So I Googled that. Through history, a lot of people have been saved by dolphins. I didn't know that neither. Then he said, now Google how many dolphins get killed every year in Asia, but the dolphins still saving humankind. And I Google more than 100 dolphins get killed every year in Asia. And the final one, he said, like, now Google, what is the meaning of the dolphin for Christians? And the meaning of the dolphin for Christians is the hope of eternal life. The dolphin represents Jesus. I was like, what? This is crazy. I never heard that. And then I I love it, man. I told you my spirit animal is the dolphin. And then my boss said, well, if you trace the dolphin in the back like thousands of years ago, if you go to Rome, you can see in the sculptures in Rome, they put the dolphins around the catapults. I mean, the in cemeteries, I don't know, in sculptures, like they are angels from the ocean that take the souls to God, you know? And, I mean, dolphins... You said are, dolphins take the souls to God? Yeah. That's, that's what my boss told me. No, no, that's interesting. Um, I'm just thinking, like, I have this rhyme I wrote, really got to go within to get out, like... But the whole concept is we keep trying to explore outer space the yeah. same way we keep looking outside for answers instead of going inside, inside or into the ocean, into the... So that's the awakening when people start looking inside. That's yeah. why we were locked down for two years, to look here, not there. Yeah, and like the center of the earth. Um, and just... That's interesting, though. You wonder, like, heaven could be inside, especially because you almost drowned. Yes, on... <laughs> Now listen what happened. So that was the three questions, my three, four questions my boss told me. After this, my boss said, okay, Carlos, just go to your next assignment on Wednesday. So Wednesday, I go to a customer house. I, did, I do quality insurance. And uh, when I get to this customer, she was cooking. I said, Carlos, I'm busy right now, but could you do me a favor? Go to the basement and go to the last room. And one of your employees broke a lamp. Could you go and fix that? I said, sure. So I go to the basement go to the last room, and when I get to the last room, there is a huge painting on the wall. Guess what it was? All my scene with Jesus in heaven, with millions of people in the background, dolphins at the bottom, Jesus standing on the water, was painting on the wall. And I was like, what in the world? Where was that? That was in a customer house. At the basement. At the last room. Yeah, so I was like, what? So, 
So in this moment, I start crying because I was completely overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, and I, the customer goes, "Carlos, are you okay? What happened? Do you fail or something?" Like, ma'am, where? How do you have this pen here? This is impossible. Yeah, yeah. Chief, Three days ago, I was there. This was a sign for me to see that this wasn't a dream. You're yeah? clearly something needs multiple signs. Yes. So the lady said, well, three years ago, a friend of my family came with a huge canvas and did that painting. But let me turn the light so you can watch the whole thing. So I watched the whole thing. That happened on Wednesday. On Thursday, I called my best friend. He lived in Woodstock. His name is Alex. I tell him, he's like, Carlos, you need to go to church. You need to tell people what's going on. This is testimony. I was like, nope. I will never say the story. Despite just telling Jesus that, yeah, I got you. I'll, I'll start telling people. Anyone. I said, like, why, Carlos? You know how many haters are out there? You know how many Christian fanatics are going to come and say, like, this is a lie? Like, bro, I have enough with my life right now. I don't want to put more weight on me. Like, no, I don't want to say anything. And then, come on, Carlos. So he's one hour on the phone begging me. I said, okay, bro, on Sunday I go to your house and I tell this story, okay? So on Sunday I travel from Duluth to Worcester, one hour driving. And I get to his house, his wife has some breakfast, we eat. And then he asked me, what church you want to go? So like, I don't care because Jesus told me that it's no religion, you know, so you can go whatever we find on the road. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me Google the closest church to my house. So he Googled a church and the church that came out was called St. Michael the Archangel. I said, okay, let's go there. So we drove to there. He never been there. I never been there. Why never been there? When we go to the parking lot, it was like hundreds of cars. And we didn't know what was happening. It was a celebration. Everybody was jumping and everybody was singing. There was music. I was like, I asked a lady next to me when we parked. I said, excuse me, man, what's going on here today? I said, well, you guys came in the middle of celebration. We're inaugurating today a big cathedral. And you guys came in the middle of the, the inauguration. I said, oh, okay, cool. So we see the whole inauguration. She said, this used to be a little chapel. But for years, the cathedral has been under construction. So today is the inauguration. So you guys are going to see the whole thing. So after we saw the whole inauguration, I went to the priest with my friends and told the priest, hey, I have a, a testimony. Do you want me to, to tell? Can I say? I said, sure. So when service ends, I go to the stage with my microphone and I start telling my story. When I'm in the middle of the story, a 17 years old in the middle of the church raised her hand and said, excuse me, excuse me. I said, yes. I want to ask you a question. So sure. How Jesus was with you? I said, he was behind me. What he was dressing? A white robe? What he was doing? He was hugging me from behind. Where you were in front of him? Why? You have to see this. I said, what are you talking about? So she grabbed long hair, with the long hair in front of her, and she turned around. And when she turned around, she got that painting right there in her back. I was like, what? I said, like, it was like this. It was like, yep, it was exactly like that. And then everybody in church like, oh, my God, you guys made this up. And I said, number one, this is my first time in this church. Jacob, can you put sure. that picture back up? Sure. So it would, it would keep going, but I, I love analyzing art. I'm going to tell you what is the meaning of painting. Okay. okay, so I never see this painting before, okay? So when she turned around and she showed me that she had the printing on her back, I said, okay, I, I need to look for that. Anyways, everybody started talking to each other. Oh, you guys plan this? I'm like, no, I, I don't know her. This is the first time that I come here. I live an hour away from here. I've never been to church. This was a casualty, you know? But I, I after the service end, I go back to to my house, and I go on my computer, and I Google, Jesus hugging a guy. And he come with a story, a real story. In the year 1992, a famous painter, his name was Thomas Blackchair, he started doing fasting, you know, fasting, you know, yeah, eating yeah. and drinking water. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So he was fasting for two weeks. and I want to try a 40-day one. Okay. <laughs> like that because of the Bible. Keep Jesus. Going. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, for, so when he was fasting, when he finished, he was asking God to let him paint this image, the image of Jesus. When he finished, he started doing the painting. Like when, when he was in the middle of the painting, he said the Holy Spirit voice came and said, Thomas, it's a beautiful painting, but you need to write a book to explain to the world what is the meaning of this painting. I said, like, what? So he said, you need to explain the black in the background. It's the darkness that we all humans have. In the front, we have the illumination that we all have. In the center, the love that Jesus had for us. And so on and so on. You need to explain the whole thing. Does he explain the hammer? Because I was thinking that well, this guy the, was being judgmental. Well, the, I, I believe... The guy that he's holding is all of us. Every time that we did something against 
Jesus is were crucifying him on the cross. That's why he have the hammer and but that's my formal way, my formal think about it. After this happened, um, and this is how my story ends. After this happened, when I was in heaven and before I, Jesus pushed me down, he said, Carlos, you need to tell the whole world. In order to continue living on earth, you need to tell them that they need to forgive. So my story is about forgiveness. What do they need to forgive? You need to forgive three people. So like, why? He said, more than 98% of people around the world have childhood trauma and they need to forgive. Number one, their parents. It doesn't matter if they abuse you, they didn't like you, they hit you. They did the best they could to give you the best you have. Number two, you need to forgive your inner child. Whatever happened in your childhood wasn't your fault. You was afraid, you was scared, it's not your fault. Number three, you need to forgive all the people that came to your life and harmed you. Why? When you forgive your parents, your inner child, and the people that harm you, you're not forgiving them, you're forgiving yourself. And in that moment, you open your heart and you throw away all the hate, all the resentment, and all the poisons that you've been carrying for years. And that poison counts cancer. That resentment counts cancer and another sicknesses. That's why, because all those feelings... that that's po He said poison? Yeah. I had a uh, mushroom ceremony when it was... It's, anyways, keep going. That, that answered the question. Okay. An internal question. Okay, so you need to release that from your body. Because every time that you don't forgive somebody, that go inside of your body in, and stay there. You know? Like a cancer. Yes, exactly. And if you don't release it, later in life, this poison is going to start eating your body. You know, So when you release it, you forgive. And you're not forgiving there, forgiving yourself. Why you you're forgiving yourself? Because from that moment, when you release all that, you're going to start, after you forgive, it's like you have a balloon with a string. You cut the string and let the balloon go. You're free. And when you're free, it's when Jesus told me, you start living your purpose. Because everybody came to earth with a purpose. And what is the biggest purpose? It's called service. Why service? Because when you die, you're going to take your car, your house, your Bitcoin, your money, your titles, nothing. The only thing that you're going to take when you die is how many people you help, how many people you give shelter, how many people you give food, how many people you love on earth. And what was the blueprint you left on earth for others to follow? Look, Mother Teresa Calcutta, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Princess Diana, Martin Luther King, what they did was service, and their service continues until today. My final question for everybody that's watching is, now that you hear my story of forgiveness, what are you doing today to leave a legacy, to mark and leave a blueprint for this planet? So one day, when your time comes and you have to go to heaven and they ask you, it was worth it for you to go to earth? So they sure, I help people have a beautiful life, I did service to everyone. So what is your service right now for humanity? What are you doing today to change everybody around you and to give the best of you and the love to your family, to your friends, and the collective around you? That's so, my story. Um, for service, to, is it like a specific type or it's just whatever it is for you? Cause it, well, what I do for service, look, when, after I came back from my near-death experience, I'm saying like is it like a general service for all people or is it specialized for each person no it's for every everyone just give love like I go and give uh, I, I serve two organizations called food for lives yeah, and yeah. every Saturday we go and prepare food all morning and then we go to shelters in Atlanta and we food to the homeless when you give you receive at the same 100%, time 100% the givers receive yes but what I so people need to feel that you know my my belief on this is um everybody's service is specialized to them obviously helping in a shelter phenomenal right but mm -hmm. some people's service could be their art some people's service could be this is a service that you're doing right uh, now 100 100 <laughs> percent. yeah my it doesn't matter it's something that help people something yeah. that people can wake up like this program that you're doing so they can awake 100 percent. in 2019 yeah. i had a message from god that i was going to have a podcast call it free game hence okay. the name i decided when I got the podcast, like, all right, this is what it's going to be called. Um, my first time doing a psychedelic, I, I did acid. Mm -hmm. And on my way home, this is a true story. Um, right before I got out of my car, mm -hmm. I feel like I, you know, I don't know if you've ever done it, but it basically lasts forever. Like, 
just last for super long, not forever. Um, stayed at my buddy's overnight, drove home early in the morning, and I'm still kind of feeling it. And before I get out of the car, it's like, it tells me you got to write right away. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing and whatever. And then it's like, something's got to die so something can live. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. So what happened to me? The old Carlos die and the new Carlos sing. So I walk in mm-hmm. and my dad's business was in a really tough time at that spot. Mm-hmm. A really tough spot at that time. My dog, this day is like the fucking craziest thing. And, and I've seen crazy things. My dog walks down, mm-hmm. stares, like greets me, gives me like a nod, falls on the ground and fucking dies. After you heard somebody's... So, somebody's got to die so someone can live. And I was... And my, so my parents are losing their shit. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And our dog's name is Angel. Um, and then the, the phone rings. Came to rescue. And like... I think somebody bought a bunch of equipment from his business. And it's like a big thing and it helps. And he's like... I'm like, yo, I guess I got to volunteer and work. So then I work moving heavy machinery for the next 12 hours. And I'm basically like preaching to these guys just moving like this... Doing like this manual labor. For like the next 12 hours um, and everything worked out. But that was nuts. Like, you know, I'm just like, what is happening? I I wasn't familiar with mushrooms. I wasn't familiar with psychedelics. None of that. Like, I barely even smoked weed at Mm -hmm. that point in my life. Those 2000, it was, I remember it because it was Tim Tebow's last college game the night before. So it was New Year's Day. Um, That's got to be 2009, 2007 Mm -hmm. in that range. 2009 and I like and I was the only one that did it like my friends all went to sleep and for some reason I was just like I just gotta do this today and my first time I did mushrooms I did it on Easter because I wanted to have a spiritual experience and I was like this literally comes from the ground like how could this not be a gift <laughs> like Definitely is a gift. you know what I mean it's like it's not Tylenol right people do that um, so but I did it and I was like yo Tebow like has Jesus in him <laughs> like which I still believe to this day Mm-hmm. Um, we all do, but it was just like he had a, literally a perfect game. I think he had one incomplete, he had five incomplete passes, but it was like stopping the clock, throwing it out of bounds. Um, he just crushed Cincinnati, like the Kelsey brothers were on that team too. Yeah, it, I, I, I remember it clearly because I was like Tebow, oh my god! And then I got home and, and the dog. Um, but dude, that that is an absolutely beautiful story, and then I'm happy to share and. One of my things now that my message is is while building this Garden of Eden that, that I'm doing mm-hmm. is finding people and then sharing platforms with people that I want to share platforms with because like you were given the message your shit was going to go viral. I don't know what mine's going to do, but I know it's going to do something. Like, I just know that in my heart of hearts um, and the way everything's lined up and like the Mentrons Cube and like I'll just, it's a lot of backstories on this. Um so I'm just really appreciate that we met at Mike and Cristal's yes. um, sound healing journey. Mike is our songbird for our church, um, and then you know we we're talking. Daniel and I were speaking to Carlos. He had this big crystal and all these other crystals, um, and then he was saying things, and everything just was super aligned. So my, part of my message when I first got synesthesia was 6:29. So you're talking about forgiveness. Luke 6:29 is turn the other cheek. Yeah, it's literally, and then seven, seven two. yeah, yeah, and you and his birthday, six twenty nine, and then seven seven is a huge thing for you, and that was a huge thing for me. Ask you shall receive again. I think that this realm is is a mirror, not not a mirror. Um, it's a giant genie almost. It's just never in the way that we anticipate. And six twenty nine last year was when my first video went viral. But I, I was, because I, I went to a church and a prophet came to me as like, in June 2000, 2022, uh, you're gonna go to media and you're gonna tell all people your story. I was like, uh, no lady, I'm not looking for the media. I don't wanna be famous or anything. I just finished my book and I don't I don't want that, you know? I said, well, that's not the plan that God had for you. So just get ready because he has something else for you. It's not your plans because he have another plans. And sure enough, on my birthday last year, June 29, this lady called me and asking me if I know my police, that is looking at police. I said, ma'am, you get a wrong number. It's not me. I said, but who are you? Why did I get your number? I said, well, I'm Carlos. I'm working this. I'm writing a book. Book about what? About Jesus. I said, what is it about? It's about how I was saved. I said, well, I have a podcast. Can I interview you right now? I said, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't saw any bad right there. 
I said, sure, go ahead. So she put everything together. She interviewed me right there. And as soon as we finished the interview with my story, she posted and it went viral. And as soon as it went viral, people from everywhere started calling me like crazy. I couldn't believe it. And believe me, I mean, I wasn't expecting No, 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 that. absolutely. Dude, calling you wrong number and that's how you go viral. Exactly. Well, I'm hoping that this goes viral. And if this goes viral, um, but other things I want to do again, sharing with the platform is you kind of divvy it up, but like, you know, pay Jacob, you obviously keep some myself. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, can't give him an empty cup, <laughs> but well, yeah, man. So like, we're, we're really hoping that these things. Well, you have received a lot of messages too, you know, to deliver to people because people is hungry for these messages right now. You know? They need it. Everybody needs help from heaven right now. So everybody's looking. Yeah for these answers that people like you and me were giving away. So I believe part of my my, my purpose, part of my message mm -hmm. or my service is, I believe it's in my name. I think yours is in your name, Carlos Lives. Um, <laughs> yeah. But mine is Luke Alexander Jirasi. So Luke, the bringer of light, Alexander, defender of men. And then Jirasi comes from the um, Greek, ancient Greek word for bird of prayer. Bird I of have prayer. a friend that he always called me the bringer of light, always. So like I'm I'm hoping that this line is hopefully I bring light in this realm which could be considered the shadow of death. We have no fear, like no. fear no evil, right? Like we are the light, um, and we just hope to light the path for others. And and they can, and the beauty of it is like there is no religion, there is no one right way. Everybody just has to be their true selves and follow their signs, and that's how everything heals itself. You're right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes sense, though. It's the ripples. It's like, in the spoken word, it's like, when you do that and you heal, there's ripples. And more people will heal. More and more people, people will heal. Because your healing that you give through your story will catch somebody who will then give their, and it'll affect them, and they'll reach somebody that will just not connect with us. Well, what I've, uh, another a priest told me one time is like, when you're telling your story, you're open the people's hearts. And you put a seed on their hearts. So from that moment, your job ends. From that moment, their job is start. So their thing is to start putting water on that seed and make that seed start growing like a tree inside of their bodies, you know? So that faith and that believing in God and believing in love is going to grow after you put that seed on their, this heart, on their hearts. That's why I have the tree of life. It, to me, tree of life is there God. There you go. You it's, got it. Yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> it's the it's faith. It's, no. it's God. Yeah. Um, you got everything. Yeah. So it, we got everything, man. Um, so again, you know, thank you, Free Game Media. Um, thank you, Carlos Vivas. Oh, thank you. Help from Heaven. Check it out. I haven't read it yet. I am going to read it as soon as I finish um, The Rise of the Mystics, which is absolutely incredible. If you haven't checked it out, you'll probably like it. I will. 49th Mystic and The Rise of the Mystics. Okay. Incredible. Okay. Very spiritual scripture. Thank you, Jacob, um, our, our man behind the scenes. Thank you, Jacob. And then uh, that's it, guys. Hopefully everybody got something from it. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I'll see you next time.